Well, that was a beautiful piece. Thank you, Lewis. That was wonderful. Very rich. Very rich. Well, praise the Lord. We're here again. Friday night, October the 4th. We're in October. You guys started your Christmas shopping? Is that time of season? Things are changing? Fall weather? Amen. Praise God. I have the privilege of preaching tonight, and if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. I love preaching from Ephesians. I think I, I end and land there quite often. Ephesians, chapter 1, and I'm going to start off with verse 7. And if you have it, say amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We're blessed as we hear it, as we listen to it. And I pray, dear God, that you would bless your people tonight. Lord, I pray, God, that not only that you meet us at our point of need, but that we rise up to you, Lord. See you as you really are. Reveal to us your truth and your understanding. Help us, O oh God. Help us in our walk of faith. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I call this message the spirit of truth. It's what the Lord put on my heart. The spirit of truth. You know, we've come to this 10th month of the year, October, and we're entering into a new spiritual theme for this month. And that theme is that of discernment. Each month we've been following a different theme. And so I have the privilege to kick off uh, discernment month. Amen? And so when I think about this word discernment, and the topic of discernment, it seems to me like a natural progression of our previous themes, where we've been. We've been looking at wisdom. We've been looking at knowledge. And these are wonderful themes. We've heard wonderful messages. And these themes are interwoven into the fabric of our spiritual lives in Christ. So I look at it and I say, what good would it be if we had all wisdom? And we had all knowledge. But if we did not know how to use it in our spiritual sojourn on earth, what good would it be? What good would it be that when we get to a place in life where we have to make a decision that we'd have no clue what to do? Kind of reminds me of uh, that part of the story in uh, Alice in Wonderland. Everybody? Remember that story? 
kind of a crazy story when you, when you, when you look at it. In this, there's a part of the story where Alice, this young girl, comes upon the Cheshire Cat. And as she walks along this path, she reaches a fork in the road. And so Alice, seeing the cat, she asked the cat, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? Well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat, if you only walk long enough. Strange encounter. Talking cats. But you know, unfortunately, many of us walk through life like this. We walk like through life in this manner. Walking in a seemingly directionless way, especially if we have not come into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the tremendous blessings of being a child of the living God is that we don't have to live our lives without a compass. We have the Spirit of the Lord to guide us along the way. The Lord has provided us with his holy word, the Bible, to be our compass. As a kid, I was fascinated by compasses. Still am. How is it that they always point due north? Well, it's because of the magnetic pull of the North Pole or something like that. Like, what? How does it happen? If I turn this way, it'll always point north. If I point that way, go that way, it'll always point north. The compass knows which way to go. If you're ever lost, you can reference that compass. It'll direct you. It'll guide you. You could be in the deepest forest, and it'll always point you. And you'll know which is your directions, north, east, south, and west. And that's the way it is for us as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we don't have to walk lost. We don't have to walk as those who have no direction because we have the guidance of the Word of God, the Word of the Lord to direct us, to guide us. This is our spiritual compass. The Word of God is the Word of truth. Let every man be a liar, but God is true. God is not only everywhere, not only all around us, but he abides and he lives inside of each and every one of us who is called by his name. That's an amazing truth, an amazing mystery that God lives inside of me and you. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, 27, as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. 
We have the spirit, the witness of truth within inside of us. What does that mean? That means that when something comes your direction, somebody tries to lead you or guide you in a way that is not the right way. When you have to make a decision, there is something called the inner witness of God inside of us that tells you that that's not the right way to go. When that person comes knocking at your door and they're very kind and they're very sweet and they always want to give you some pamphlets. Oh, get into a discussion with them sometime. If you can get them to stop long enough because they've got their route, you know. But if you can get them to stop long enough and just begin to explore who is this Jesus that you talk about? What is this Bible that you say you represent? Let's find out what is really true here. There are so many false teachings, so many false cults representing themselves to say that we represent the truth. We represent the way. As a matter of fact, there's groups that say, if you don't come with our particular group and our particular way, then you're not really on the right road. But wait a minute, I have the spirit of truth that's inside of me that says, wait a minute, I, uh, I'm not uh, getting an inner witness about that. I am not getting the sense that what you're telling me is the truth. There's many great names for God, Almighty, Jesus, the Messiah, the way, the truth, the life. But a Christian comedian he, he said this, he goes, uh, you know, there's another name for God. Something. Yeah, you know, we say it all the time. You know, uh, something told me I shouldn't have done that. Something told me I shouldn't have gone over there. Something told me I shouldn't have walked with that person. I shouldn't have gone over to that place. Something told me. Well, let me tell you something. Something. Many times is another name for God. We have the spirit, the inner witness inside of us. This topic of discernment, it's been discussed for ages. It's been studied by various theological scholars throughout the ages. You can get deep into this stuff. I remember in seminary studying the writings of people like John Wesley, who developed a method for theological reflection called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. I heard that, I said, oh, that sounds cool. The Wesleyan quadrilateral. Hey, he saw John Wesley and believed that the basis for understanding and implementing truth, understanding God and understanding truth in a deeper way was first based on the foundation of Holy Scripture, but also in conjunction with tradition, in conjunction with reason, but also in conjunction with Christian experience. And so this is going on to say that even though the scripture says you have no one to teach you, you can be enhanced in your learning by those that have gone on before, those that have been down the road a little bit farther, those that have, go, uh, you know, demonstrated that in their walk of faith that they have continued and we can learn from those and we're blessed to have teachers to guide us mentors to show us the way 
so it can enhance our learning. But you have the spirit inside of you. But simply, in a very simple definition, what is this thing we call discernment? And in a very simple way, it's nothing more than the ability to decide between truth and error. That's it. Between truth and error. Between right and wrong. Discernment is the process of making careful distinctions in our thinking about truth. Distinctions in our thinking about truth. In other words, the ability to think with discernment is synonymous with an ability to think biblically. Growing in our knowledge of the word of God will help us, shape us, and form our thinking, which in turn will form our worldview. How we see ourselves, how we see others, how we see this world, how we even see the political culture that we all have to live in the culture of this world, the social experiences. Our way of looking at it now may be so different now than when I first started on this road, how I looked at the world and how I look at it now so many years later has changed dramatically because the word of God has begun to penetrate and begin to saturate within my spirit and within my spirit man. And now I look at things and say, where is truth here? What is truth in this situation? And also to distinguish when we see the spirit of the lie. There's, if there's truth, then there's also lie. There's a spirit of truth, and there is a spirit of lie. The Bible tells us that the evil one is what? The father of lies. The father of wickedness. And so he's trying to deceive, the Bible says, even the very elect. Of God. And in these last days, we even see the very elect of God falling, going into directions that the Lord has not led. And I'm not pointing the finger. I'm saying that's a cautionary story for each and every one of us to stay on the straight and the narrow path so that we don't have that same experience of Alice in Wonderland. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 to 22 teaches that it is the responsibility, it is our responsibility of every Christian to be discerning. The Bible says, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. The Apostle John he issued a similar warning when he said, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's 1 John 4.1. According to the New Testament, discernment is not optional for the believer. It is required. It is required. This is nothing new. The Apostle Paul had to face this in his day. Even in the very developed development of the, the, the early church, there was those known as the Judaizers who were trying to say, yeah, Jesus is good, and all that message that you're preaching, Paul, is good. But you know what? If you really want to be right with God, 
You still also got to practice all the, Jew the Jewish traditions. You got to practice that. And Paul said, no, no. Jesus Christ is all you need. Jesus Christ is the one who sets you free. Jesus Christ is the one who paid the ultimate price so that anyone who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's it. That's it. Jesus Christ is the one who paid the price for your sin and my sin. And don't try to entangle me with some other doctrine that's not going to bring me into liberty. He came to set the captives free, not to be caught up into, entangled into some bondage again. So the key to living an uncompromising life lies in one's ability to exercise discernment in every area of his or her life. For example, failure to distinguish between truth and error leaves the Christian subject to all manner of false teaching. See, we, we have to know the word of God because otherwise somebody could lead us astray very easily. That's why it's so important to be in tune to the spiritual leaders that God has offered and appointed as a gift to the church. The Bible talks about the pastor or the elder or the elders, that they're gifts to the church. God ordained leaders to watch and guard over the flock. And that's why the flock's supposed to not give the pastor a hard time. Go along with the teachings. Now, does that mean we believe everything he says? Absolutely. And we can test it. Because everything he says should line up with the word of God. Right? And we do that. We check it out. I'm listening. And even for you guys, the young ones that come up and preach, I'm saying, are they right on? I'm checking it. I'm checking it. And that's what we're supposed to do. Test the spirits. Not only outside of the church, but even inside of the church. Test the spirits. False teaching can lead and does lead to an unbiblical mindset, which results in unfruitful and disobedient living. We're called to be like Jesus Christ. How are we going to become like Jesus Christ if we're not walking in truth? If we don't know truth, if we can't discern truth from a lie, how are we going to grow in Jesus Christ? How are we going to learn to have a fruitful life? How are we going to be obedient if we're practicing a life of disobedience? Because if we're practicing disobedient living, that is a recipe for compromise. And that's what we see people doing. People are falling along the way because they're settling for something second best. And they're settling for the compromising spirit. We used to call it straddling the fence, right? Saying, oh, I got one foot in, so I'm going to be all right. But one foot out, slipping and sliding all over the place. Compromise. That's not the spirit of truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There is no other way. He is the only way. That message has been preached for ages, and it hasn't changed. You know why? Because it is the message. It is the words of Christ. He says, follow me. 
follow me. I am the way. And if we're unable to distinguish between truth and error, then we are left with the same choice that Alice had in that crazy place called Wonderland. And we will be left free to make any choice we want because we're not being guided by the knowledge of truth. You can do whatever you want. Go any which way. But if you want to go the way of the Lord, then you follow him according to his teachings in the word. And then ultimately our Christian walk will be led all over the place. We'll be all over the place because we're not grounded in biblical truth. We will never develop a biblical worldview and we will be led astray by every wind of doctrine. We see it happening right now. So many of our church, so many churches today are compromising with the whole issue of homosexuality. You got churches now that are divided about that. Churches that are like even mainline denominations ordaining gay, so-called gay priests and stuff and say, well, that's the way God made them. That's the way I am. Okay, yeah, that's right. You're a sinner. We're not going to justify it. We're not going to compromise. That sin is not necessarily any greater than any other sin. Why am I bringing that up? Just to say that's an example of how now, if you speak anything contrary to that, oh, you're, you're, you're counterculture. And you're biased. And you're going to be called every kind of name if you say that that's not right according to what the Word of God says. The Bible talks about that very clearly. But yet churches have compromised. And so that rather than men adjusting to the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God, no, churches even are now adjusting to the society and to the culture to come down to the level of man's most base desires. And we could go on. That's just one example. It's a big one because it's our society and our culture are changing dramatically. Dramatically. We need biblical discernment so that when society tells us that this is okay, we can say, okay, society, I hear your message, but I know what the Bible says. I know what the Word of God says. I know what is truth. And no matter what you tell me, society, I'm not going to compromise what God has taught me in his word. And I'll reference it. And we'll look at it and say, this is the, what the word of God says. There's so many issues that we face. Major issues that divide our country. Major issues. The abortion issue. It's a big one. It's a big one. How can you violate a woman's right to choose? Well, that, that sounds good. I mean, it really does. Who would say, you know what, we're going to violate the woman's right to choose? But is it just another way of saying justification for the taking of a human life? The Bible says in, in uh, Psalm 139, I knew you while you were in your mother's womb, while you were being formed. I was forming you. I was shaping you. I was putting my imprint on your soul. 
I knew you then. You mean to say that's a human being inside of the woman's body? Society will tell you otherwise. The Supreme Court has ruled in the favor in Roe versus Wade. But you see what I'm saying? It is the compromise of this world that we fall into the lie of society. The Supreme Court said so, so it must be right. Meanwhile, millions and millions of children have been put on the altar of what seems right in the eyes of the Supreme Court. We don't have biblical discernment anymore. We don't want to go contrary to the flow of society. We don't want to feel like we're oddball. We don't want to be looked at as like, you know, we're, we're biased about it. But how do we protect our hearts from error unless we anchor our soul in the word of God? These are hard things. These are hard things. But we need to look at it and say, am I going to lean on my own understanding or am I going to lean on the word of God? I started off this message by reading from Ephesians. And I want to read it again. This is amazing. What God has revealed to us. What is he saying to us? He says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption. We've been saved. We've been bought. We've been ransomed. By his blood. We have what? The forgiveness of sins. All who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because of Christ Jesus can be forgiven, can be saved, can be washed. You and I can be made new at the altar of forgiveness. How does this happen? Because it's in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I love that. That we're rich in God's grace. And then it goes further to say that he lavished on us. That's a wonderful word. We don't use that. Well, my wife was just lavishing love all over me recently. It's wonderful. I loved it. And I lavished back to her. No, we don't use that word. God lavished on us his glorious grace. And then he says, if that's not good enough, I'm giving you all wisdom. I'm giving you all understanding. And then he goes on further to say, I've made known to you the mystery of my will. Why? Because I wanted to. According to my good pleasure, he says, his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. To bring it all together, the Jew and the Gentile, the Greek and the barbarian, the male and the female. All things into unity. All those things, those Old Testament saints, look forward to the prophecy of the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. And he says, now, in this letter to the Ephesians, now the mystery has been revealed. This glorious mystery to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. Biblical discernment. And this is going to help us guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. The Bible says, guard your heart 
for out of it flow the issues of life. Discernment develops as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, right? That's how it should happen. We should have greater discernment now than day one. We should be growing in our understanding of truth and error. Many say that they want to know the will of God for their lives. Right? You heard that? I want to know the will of God for my life. But it only happens as we grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing in Him. Growing in an understanding of His Word. Growing in our prayerful relationship. Which simply means talking and communing with God on a daily, regular basis. Each day, communing with the Lord. I like what Pastor Adrian Rogers says. He says, God's will is not a road map, but a relationship. It's about talking to him and him talking to you. How many still believe that God speaks today? God still speaks to us today. He tells you things. He leads you. He guides you. And if you're not in tune in that way, open up. In tune your spiritual ear to what God is saying to you. He's speaking all the time. He's speaking to you at this very moment. I'm fascinated by the story of Eli the priest and the young prophet Samuel. That story, we know it, found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And this young man, Samuel, dedicated by his mother Hannah, wanted this child. The Lord gave her Samuel, and he, she dedicated him. I, I give him back to you, Lord. So Samuel was brought as a young man to live there in the temple area with Eli the priest. And by this time, Eli was an older man, and he had this young man, Samuel, there with him. Young boy, really. And one night, Eli went to sleep in the place, the Bible says, where he usually slept. I'm not sure where that was. It just says where he usually slept. Okay. But uh, Samuel, I don't know why, but uh, he liked to sleep in the temple. The Bible says that he liked to sleep right there next to the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine? How about that? Could have Caesar, you know, say, Caesar, Pastor Kevin, can I sleep here? I want to be close. I want to be in the presence. So there he is, sleeping. And uh, in the middle of the night, he hears a voice calling out to him, Samuel. Samuel wakes up. So he walks over to where Eli is. There's nobody else around. He says, uh, did you call me? What did, what, did, what did you want? And Eli says, no, I didn't call you. And he's, he's like, eh, go back to sleep, man. That's not there, right? My godly imagination, you know. He's an old guy. We don't like to be woke up. Anyhow. He goes, all right. So he goes back to sleep. And then in the night, again, Samuel. He's like, must be Eli. So he goes back over there. What did you want? Master, what did you want? I didn't call you, Samuel. Go back to sleep. Got woken up again. So Samuel goes back again. Goes back to sleep. And then again, for the third time, Samuel, 
He wakes up again. He goes back. Eli, did you call me? You know, by this point, I would say, you know what, Eli's not calling me. But Samuel was a very, the Bible says, you know, he was a very uh, godly young man. He was a guy who was being shaped and formed, and he was being prepared for his calling, which was that of a prophet. The Spirit of God was rising up in him. Things were happening. He was growing in his relationship with, with God. However, he hadn't come to the full awareness of God yet. So the third time he goes to Eli, and Eli says, it, it hits him. He goes, you know what? It must be the Father. It must be God. God is speaking. He goes, this time, if he calls you again, you say, Lord, your servant is listening. And sure enough, he went back. He called him again. And after that, began his relationship. Samuel began his relationship with God, directly hearing from the master, from the father. And he gave him a very heavy word and began his commission of being a prophet. And God used him. And he rose and he grew in his stature. Discernment. Eli, even though he was not a perfect man, he was the priest of God, had a lot of problems and a lot of issues, and God dealt with him. But through discernment, he said, that's God. That's God speaking to you. That's God trying to get your attention. God is speaking. God is trying to get our attention. Are we listening? Are we listening? Or are we like Eli initially was saying, just go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. The book of Ephesians blesses us in many ways. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. What do you have need of? What do you have need of? My Bible says, and I'm pretty sure yours does too, in Ephesians, it says there, in chapter 1, you can read it, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Imagine that if we carried ourselves that way. It's like, you know what? I don't have to think about myself as in need or in want. I can think about myself as being blessed of God. I am blessed of God. The Bible says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. The Bible says that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. That's a hard one to get my mind about. That's one where I just have to receive it. You just have to receive it. You were chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Before God even created the world, he decided to choose you. He called you. He said, I'm going to save this one. That's why you are called the called one, the chosen one. Yes, you, called, separated, blessed by God, chosen before the foundation of the world. You were called into holiness. You were called to be holy. You were called to be blameless. That's the calling that's on your life. You were predestined. 
to be adopted into God's family. You were predestined. God says, I'm calling you. I'm choosing you. I have destined you to be a part of my family. You are part of my chosen family. You are my beloved. This is who you are. What am I talking about? This is for you to discern who you are in God. So that when you know who you are in God, that you're not going to settle for second best. You're not going to settle for something that's lesser. People struggling with drugs. People struggling with alcohol. Why? Because they're trying to fill the emptiness and the void within. When you are called of God, when you are chosen, with, you've been receiving every spiritual blessing chosen before the foundation of the world, called to be holy and blessed, predestined to be adopted into God's family, and you are accepted in Jesus Christ. Oh man, somebody should get excited about that one. I am accepted by Je but you don't know what I've done. You are accepted by Jesus Christ. Claim your birthright. Claim who you are. Stand upon the... You know what? I'm starting to get excited here. Do you guys know who you are in Jesus Christ? You are accepted by the Most High God because of Jesus Christ. But, 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 my, but, but my sins, what sins? What sins? Am I remembering your sins? I'm not remembering your sins. That's what my Bible says. Are you remembering your sins? Oh, but I can't forgive myself. Okay. That's okay. But God has forgiven you. You want to struggle with that? God has forgiven you. The Bible says that God is greater than your own heart. You want to be on the throne of your life? I'd rather have God on my throne. He's on the throne. You are redeemed. You are saved. You are bought with a price. You're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only that, you were given the revelation of the mystery into God's will. News bulletin. God's will has been revealed. It is not hidden, and he's not hiding it from you. We're on being on, it, the will of God is being unfolded in our lives. The mystery, each and every day is fantastic. Even though you may go through trials, and we do. Even though we go through difficulties, and we will. Every day is fantastic because God is unfolding his mystery in our lives. It's a wonderful thing. Even in the trial. Because God has a plan for you. And God is building you up to be the man and the woman that he wants you to be. Glory to God. And you've been given an inheritance in God's family. You've been given a rich, godly inheritance to be called a son and the child of the Most High. And on top of it all, you are sealed you're sealed with the Holy Spirit as God's property. Nobody can rob you out of my hand. Nobody can pluck you out. You're sealed by the Spirit. You are protected. 
And if God says you're sealed, and if God says you're protected, and if God says you're my property, who can pluck you out of his hand? There is no power greater than Almighty God. And but with all these abundance of blessings in Christ, why is it that many Christians are living in defeat and do not experience these blessings in their day-to-day -day living? See, you all agreed with me. You said, yeah, that's true. I know that. I heard it. I read it. I believe it. Then why are we many times struggling and walking in defeat? I'm glad you asked. Look there in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to close with this. Ephesians chapter 1. This is our answer. And this is our prayer. Paul said this to the Ephesians. In light of all that, he says, I keep asking, in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Saints of God, that should be our prayer each and every day. Mark it in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. Are you without hope? Pray, saint. Pray. Get a hold of the Lord. Talk to him and let him minister to you. My prayer for you is that whatever thing that is blocking your relationship with God will be removed that you will be liberated in the spirit of your mind. And whatever opposition is coming your way, that you would know deep in your spirit, man, that greater is he who's within you than he who's in the world. And for those of you that may not know Christ, it's a simple prayer. Because all of this sounds good, but it will mean nothing to you until you acknowledge him and receive him as your Lord and your Savior. And we're going to minister before God and let him minister before us as the worship team joins me. Discernment. Knowing truth from error. I remember when I first got saved, there was a guy who used to hang out outside of the church. He was a Christian guy. And he was a part of a particular faith group that he said, you know, when you guys get baptized, do you get, how do you guys get baptized there in your church? Well, you know, we're like, you know, we're like, well, what do you mean? You know, it's like, we get baptized in water? He goes, yeah, well, yeah, but, but like, how do they, what do they say? How do they baptize you? Oh, we get baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. No, no, you get baptized only in the name of Jesus only. Like, what? Yeah, if you don't get baptized in the name of Jesus only, then you're not really 
baptized, you're not really saved. We're like, what? And we're like, what did we know? You know, I just, we just first got saved. And we're like, so we started to check it out. You know, it's like, what's this guy talking about? But they, they, had, they had a whole church group and a whole theological thing formed about this whole thing of Jesus' name only. I don't know, they still around? They still around? Yeah, it's still happening? Well, thank God, they're, they're not like knocking at my door. But at, at any rate, but it's stuff like that that happens. And so for a while, we were like, you know, are we, okay, are we really saved? This is why we got to know the scripture. And we got to untune ourselves. If you have questions, come to the elders. Come to Pastor Kevin, wonderful teacher of the word of God. And then if he doesn't get it right, you can come ask me. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that we need to know the spirit of truth. See, in order for truth to exist, that means that, you know what? Lies exist. And you got to know the truth. You got to know the word of God. Let's all stand this evening. We're going to open up the altars in a minute as we sing this song. But my prayer is this prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians, that we would open up our minds and our hearts. And if you're carrying a burden here tonight, you know what? You don't need to carry that. My encouragement to you is to lay it down at the feet of Jesus Christ. If something is hindering you from walking in the fullness of the faith of God, know enough that by humbling yourself, yes, I said it, by humbling yourself before Almighty God, ask Him to remove those hindrances, to remove those burdens. If you are caught up in a bondage tonight, you can come and at the feet of Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, lay that down. Lay that burden down before the Lord. He wants to free you tonight. And the only thing that could stop you is if you hinder your own self. We're going to pray and we're going to believe God for your miracle. We already heard of a tremendous miracle that uh, Sister Linda shared tonight. God wants to do that work in your heart and in your soul. And if you feel like you are not tapping into that blessing, that spiritual blessing that's yours, we're going to open up this altar. Father, we thank you, O oh God, for the richness of the glory of God, for the richness of your love, for the richness of your power, for the glory that you shared with us, O oh God, that you shine your light upon us, that you shine your light upon us. Your love, O oh God, is made manifest in our hearts. And I pray, dear God, that you touch and meet the needs of your people tonight, God. Free us, Lord. Free us from our burdens. Lift the burdens of our hearts. Lift the burden of our soul. And put aside every doubt. Put aside every fear. For fear is not of God. You've given us a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a sound mind. The altars are open. You can spend time with your Lord tonight. Hallelujah.